Hey everyone, Anna Lytle here. And Kat Busey. And welcome Welcome to to the the Modern Farm and Artisan Co-op Podcast. We're here connecting you to the lives and stories of our local farmers, makers, and educators that are all dedicating themselves to positively and powerfully impacting the Southern Utah community. We are finally back to recording episodes. So we will resume our previous schedule of having new episodes every two weeks. So that is big news. And our other big news is that the co-op finally has a location. So make sure you check us out at 55 Main Street in downtown St. George and show your support for our local artisans. And also before we get started, just really quick, if you have been enjoying listening to this podcast before we took our COVID break, um, please hit subscribe, leave us a review. And if you're feeling inclined, we would greatly appreciate your support on Patreon. You can find us at Modern Farm and Artisan Co-op Podcast. Producing this podcast is so much fun. Kat and I really have a blast interviewing all the farmers and artisans, but the equipment and the hosting services are not free, and it takes about 10 to 15 hours a week to produce each episode. So obviously take care of yourself first. We know it's a challenging time right now, but if you can kick in $2 a month, it would make such a difference. And once we get enough Patreon members, we will start rolling out the swag and special Patreon member deals. So make sure you check that out. And again, we would greatly appreciate it. All right. So now in today's episode, we are talking with Katie Emmett of Freckle and Flower Farm in Enterprise, Utah. This is Katie's second year selling her incredibly gorgeous and unique flowers at the downtown farmer's market. We talk about how she got interested in growing flowers, how she selects her varieties, preps her beds, how much time it takes to grow, harvest, and prepare her floral arrangements, and so much more. So now, without further ado, let's get talking with Katie. Okay, well, thank you for talking with us today. We've been excited to get back with our interviews. So I'm glad you're the first one. I'm excited to be here. Okay, so can you just give us some info on your background and tell us kind of how you got into flower farming? Okay, well, I grew up in Enterprise, and when I left, I swore I'd never move back, you know, famous last words. And I went to school in Wyoming for two years, just at a junior college where I met my husband. And then we moved to Logan, finished our schooling there. And once I had my first child, a job opportunity came up for my husband. We had both graduated, my husband in dairy management, and I graduated with my degree in elementary education. And I learned quickly that it's hard to be a working mom. So I decided to hold off on teaching. We moved to Enterprise, and my husband got a job at a dairy, and I was just home with my kids. Living in Enterprise, it's hard to see that the opportunities for your kids. There's not a lot of job opportunities. There's not a lot of work experience, unless they're working on the farm, which um, my son can, of course, go to work with my husband and, and love that. And I was like, oh, I want something for my daughter. So we did a lot of yard work. I grew up loving yard work. Um, my grandma's always had beautiful gardens. My mom always loved it, working in the yard. We bought an old house. It's 100 years old, and we renovated it over the years. And I, we did the landscaping, and I put in tons of flower beds, like a ridiculous amount. <laughs> Way too much, really. And so that's when I really started loving flowers and and learning a lot about flowers. But it was way too many flower beds. I eventually, you know, killed a lot of the flowers and let the grass grow back in. And it was a little more manageable. But I had this huge garden plot on the side of my house. Huge. Um, that hadn't been planted in for years and years and years. 
and I tried to plant veggies. We did that for a lot of years. But you can only grow so many veggies, and your kids will only eat so much. And if your kids are like my kids, they don't eat a lot of it. And it was just a lot of it was going to waste. So um, we eventually... I started planting flowers. So I had read an article in a magazine. It was probably like seven years ago. And in it, I mean, it was about, uh, it was in Country Living Magazine, I remember. And it was, um, the title of the article was, Warning, You're Going to Want to Quit Your Day Job. And it was an article about Florette Farms. I don't know if you've heard of them in Washington. And... Uh, she was a flower farmer. And I honestly, like, I ripped that out of the magazine, and I still have it, and I saved it. And for years, I just, that was always in the back of my mind. So I planted a couple rows of flowers. That's how it started, just cut flowers. I researched what make good cut flowers. Not all flowers make good cut flowers. And so that's where it started, and it eventually just grew from there. The next year, I got thinking, oh, well, if I could just sell a couple, then um, I could pay for my seeds, you know? And and then the next year, I was just like, well, I need a, a small greenhouse so I can start all of these seeds. And right. <laughs> at the same time, I was producing so many, so many flowers. Like, I could never use them all. And my little town of Enterprise, like, I felt like it was kind of like, oh... <laughs> We better support Katie. <laughs> Here's five dollars. You know, I hated that. I hated that it was my friends buying my flowers. Like I wanted to see if I could really sell flowers, and that's when I signed up to do the market. Last year was my first year at the market, and uh, I didn't really know what to expect. I was very hesitant to call it a business because I didn't want that pressure. But I was really surprised. Like people really did want to buy my flowers. I remember talking to you. We, you called, right? Yeah. We were talking on the phone, and I remember you just were like, uh, "I do cut flowers. I just, it's just, I just want to have flowers." And I was like, "Yeah, sure, bring them down." Like because I remember when I took over the farmers market, they were like, "There used to be a lady that would do flowers, and she did phenomenal every year." And so for the three years that I've been in the farmers market, I've been trying to find somebody to do cut flowers and you called and I was like yeah do them and you showed up and it you know on the phone you made it sound like it was going to be you know like oh I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) and she shows up with all these wreaths and these beautiful bouquets and I was like holy crap I was like and you were sold out within like 45 minutes I think your first day right yeah I didn't bring a lot that first day I really I didn't want to like go home with bucket loads and feel like an idiot like oh no one bought all these flowers like I was I didn't know what to expect. Yeah, (laughs) I kept my expectations really low. (laughs) Every week, I think there's maybe one. I can't. I think I can count on like both hands in the two years or the year and a half that you've been doing it that you haven't sold out. It's been great, and I I am very grateful for everyone's support. Like, it's been lots of fun. I've loved it every minute. So this year, you 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 changed, and and now you're calling it a business. (laughs) I made it a business. Yeah. I named it the Freckle and Flower Farm. I I'm hes- I was hesitant to call it a farm because it really is just a really large garden, you know, that I'm growing in. It's, I mean, I, I feel like it, calling it a farm, people have in their mind like these fields of flowers. You know, you can just go run through the fields of flowers, and and that that's not what it is. 
but I named it that because one day I really do. I want to have a few acres. You can grow a lot of flowers on the amount of property I have right now, which we're growing in. Like our property is almost three quarters of an acre, and we I probably only grow flowers on like a third of that. So it's a really small space, but you can grow so many flowers in a small space. So, so one day I really want to have a few acres with my flower field and then I'd love to have like this is dreaming big in it you're allowed yeah thank you you're allowed to (laughs) I would love to have like a wedding venue and I mean we love we have animals my kids are involved in 4-H and they show sheep so we have sheep I'm sure my neighbors love me because we're right in the middle of town, but we have sheep and we have chickens and I have ducks and dogs, you know, we kind of have a farm. Yeah. (laughs) And I like that, but I like that you named it something that you can grow into too, because sometimes I see people name their businesses and within a couple of years, they really do like, there's either no room for them to grow with what they said. One guy said it was red dirt tomatoes. What happens when you start bringing more than that? Like, (laughs) like, no dude, just, call it like red dirt farms or something you know like so you have room to grow into it and I think that'll be awesome and your flowers are gorgeous and I mean you you picked some really unique ones like there's stuff that you bring in that I've never seen before so how do you go about uh choosing those like is that just research or like how I've never seen some of the ones that you've brought in and my husband is a plant freak so I've seen a lot of them but I every time you bring every week you have something different yeah well when I look at what flowers I want to plant it's going to fall in like one of three categories it's either going to be really unique like I I don't think people would buy my flowers if I brought daisies and cone flowers and and stuff that people are growing in their own yard like I mean that would never sell I would never make any I mean I wouldn't I know I wouldn't sell a single bouquet so it's got to be unique something no one's ever seen before never seen I mean that being said it still needs to be a good cut flower like it needs to have a decent base life so that's the other one it's either got to be unique or it lasts really long in a vase and the third one is it just has to be really really beautiful like so if it's not one of those three I usually have no interest in planting it so like one that's just really really beautiful that I will always plant and I love is dahlias they are stunning I mean there is no other flower like them and the variety of blooms are incredible but they don't always have the best base life but their beauty makes up for it in your bouquets you can kind of pull out stuff that's starting to droop and it still looks really good yes because I've bought quite a few of <laughs> I remember there was one week that you, she was like, I have like three left. And I was like, I'll buy all of them. And they were the big ones. And I took them home and I was like, what am I going to do with all I these I remember that week I had like <laughs> buckets and buckets of Bells of Ireland. Because yeah. I usually just cut what's ready. I mean, otherwise it's just going to spoil in my field and bring it. I mean, I remember you took home like armfuls of yeah. Bells of Ireland. And you came back the next week and you're like, those things are pokey. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't warn me. There is. There's thorns in there, and I was shook. I was like, "What is? What is getting me?" I was like sitting there looking at it. I was like, "I have no idea," because I was breaking them apart and putting them in bouquets, and they're hidden. It's hidden, like behind the flower. There's like this, but they're gorgeous. They're like a green cream. They're very unique. So, so you said you started seven years ago with the flowers. 
Uh, well, dreaming about it. Dreaming and about it. And I spent it. a lot of years r- researching, really. Yeah. Like, what flowers could I grow in my zone? You know, I didn't even understand the difference between like a tender annual that can't handle any cold and a cold hardy one that, you know, I should be planting in the fall if I want to get a good crop. Like, it was a lot of research, but, and I spent too many years really just researching. It's my biggest regret is I wish I just would have jumped in, you know, because the best way of learning is just doing it. Like you can research all you want, but you're never going to know what works for you in your area with your soil. I mean, there's just so many factors that, you know, reading a book, you can get ideas, but you have no idea if it's really going to work or how you're going to have to implement it. So I wish I just would have jumped in, you know, and tried earlier. So when did you, how many years have you been growing flowers then? This is my fourth fourth year and then two years at the market this is your second year selling them yes right? this is my second year selling them okay okay that's awesome so relatively fast <laughs> like that's pretty fast actually but I- it's been lots of fun even those first two years before I started selling at the market like I remember we would just make up bouquets and my daughter would just sit out on the porch <laughs> I mean I'd put on Facebook that we were selling flowers and um, anything that didn't sell, which there was a lot that didn't sell, my whole purpose for it wasn't necessarily just to make money, but then we would go and give them to people and surprise them with flowers. And and that's when I really learned, like, the power of flowers, you know. Like, they bring happiness. I mean, they, they just do. They're wonderful. That's why I love growing them. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like, that two years spent just kind of goofing around really got you ready. Like, it got you aware of how to cut them, how to style them. And did I see, I think I saw that uh, just recently you took a class, right? I've taken a lot of classes. You've taken a lot of classes? So after the market last year, like a lot of people told me like, oh, you don't need to take a class. Like you just have a natural eye for it. And and I think part of that was true, but I I didn't have that confidence in my ability, you know? So I took three different classes at the college, at the tech college here in town. And just since last year, yeah. Oh my gosh! So I took one in the fall, <laughs> and the winter, and the spring. <laughs> so, and I learned so much, and I mean that information was invaluable. Like it was, and it gave me more than anything. It gave me the confidence to be like, yes. Like what I knew, I knew, you know. Yeah. And then little things I didn't know that I should have known. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I learned that. And now I have a lot of confidence. And I actually took an online workshop this spring also that was doing wedding flowers. So I, and, you know, she went over how to like make a contract, you know, what you should put in your contract and, and not even just wedding flowers, but doing wedding flowers with what you grow. Like, right. right, Which is a whole nother ball game. Like I, I I went to the uh, Utah farm conference, the last one in Cedar. They were like, Oh, you should go see this cut flower chick and she was from California and she was doing a class and I thought it was going to be not what it was but it was a very serious intense dive on contracting and getting ready for this and and doing events and pre-orders and I was like whoa flowers is a whole different ball game so prior to the spring when I took that class like I had had a few people in enterprise ask me to do their wedding and it was very scary to me like 
number I just didn't I, I didn't have the confidence like I talked about but yeah I I mean it's a whole another ball game and <sighs> and people are and you know they're crazy around their wedding you're like no I don't want to be near you I don't want to help at all <laughs> but and also in living in enterprise like there is no florist yeah. there's no florist there like to have a fresh flower wedding is probably a different experience than having it here in St. George where your florist can come and set up for you or, you know, like that's just not an option. Like you can pretty much pick up your bouquet and your boutonniere and go have your wedding in Enterprise, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's no, and I mean, I, I, I want Enterprise to experience like beautiful weddings. Yeah. Like they really can be beautiful. Yeah. It doesn't have to be fake flowers. Some fake flowers can be beautiful. It's not no, the same. Can't. It's, it's not, not the same. same. Or you guys are like, it's not the same. And I'm like, no, they can't. <laughs> <laughs> no. Mm-mm. Do you remember the names of the classes that you took in case other people are interested? Up here at the college? Uh-huh. Yeah, it was through, it was just um, floral design, basics. One through three. One. And then there's a beginner class, class one, and then class two. You can take as many times as you want in each each semester she just teaches different styles okay and you learn how to make you know different things and okay and then what was the online wedding one do you know what that was called from jenny love um she is a big time wedding designer farmer in pennsylvania philadelphia okay. right in the middle of philadelphia oh that's awesome i don't think there's that many f- you're like the only flower farmer around here aren't you there's a couple actually oh, in, there are in hurricane i think there's a few oh, okay and there's quite a few up north also Oh yeah, up north. Oh there's yeah, a bunch. I'm sure. Just not. We're not talking about up north. We're t- <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you said that you got a, a greenhouse, right? Yes. So do, are you starting everything from seed now? Almost everything. I would say ninety percent. I start from seed. Oh my gosh. So what does that process look like for you? Like when do you start? Because enterprise, I know that uh, if you. If you're just listening to the podcast, you're probably like, I don't give a crap about Enterprise or St. George. I just want to talk about flowers. But St. George is like red sandstone dirt. And by the time you get up to Enterprise, it gets cold. You guys have a lot more weather than we do. So it's like, but it's also kind of high desert. So you guys don't have water. We don't get a lot of rain. Yeah. And it seems like when it comes, it comes in floods, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what it, when do you start planning and how do you, what goes into prepping your beds and starting your seeds and like, she's like, yeah, Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot more than anyone would probably think. Like I start seeds clear back in January and like my first seed that I start is Lysianthus. It's, it's a beautiful flower. It like, it looks like a rose almost and I love it. But it is a slow grower. So you start it in January. And just last week, I harvested my first Lysianthus. So that's a long time. That is a long time. But I love them. So so as far as soil prep, I... um, a lot of compost I put down. I try to put it down, and if I can put it down in the fall, then I don't have to prep as much in the spring. And I used to be a big tiller, <laughs> but I'm really trying to go no-till. I, uh, I had no idea, I mean, that tilling was so bad. And 
I, it's really caused me to question everything, and which is, I think, good. I think everyone should. Like, why do I do this? Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of people um, around me, especially in enterprise, like we till to manage weeds, and and that is not a good a good management technique like it just it creates more problems and not only right. that you're destroying your soil every time you till so I'm trying really hard not to till I did have a few beds this year that I they were new beds so I did till those I kind of feel like that first initial tilling the purpose of tilling is to loosen your soil so if you have compacted soil sure you have to till but my goal is to not till those anymore and like so this year was the first year I didn't till probably three quarters of my beds and I could I can't believe the difference. So what did you do instead? Like so I just laying down compost on top of it. Oh really? That's all I did. Wow. And um, I was a little worried that it would be hard, but no, my soil was fine. And the other step is to not, like, sure, not tilling, but don't disturb your soil. Like, don't be pulling out the roots, um, which just was something I was... Like at yeah, the base. just clip them right at the base. And those roots will rot and stuff, and that will feed those microbes in your soil and, and just create more organic matter in there. So, like, my big stumps of sunflowers like I usually pull those out you know and it it really is pulling out a lot of my good soil but so this year I'm just gonna leave them in there clip them right at the base and then I probably won't plant sunflowers back in there just because they're such a big I'll probably plant something really small that won't get choked by all those sunflower roots that are still decomposing in there so you so you'll just start doing crop rotations a little bit more yep and everything like that. That's cool. So, and then as far as when I put them in the ground, so I start seeds starting in January, like I talked about. This year I started close to 5,000 seeds. Wow. Which I have a feeling that this next year I'll probably double it. I know. I was like, <laughs> that's just enough, huh? Because <laughs> I'm watching you sell out. Yeah. Well, yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> My intention with this has always been, like, I was going to wholesale to florists. Like, that was my goal. But I've really fallen in love with designing. So that's no longer at the forefront of my mind anymore. Like, the florists might get what I don't want. I don't know. But I'm hoping next year to have enough that I can do both. I can design with them, be my own little florist shop out of my home in Enterprise, come to the market, and also provide a lot of fresh flowers for the florists here in town. That's so cool. That is awesome. So where do you, do you make your own compost then, or do you get it from somewhere else in Enterprise? So I'm really lucky because my husband works at the dairy. There you go. <laughs> and he, they have awesome compost. Yeah. So we usually pay a little bit, and he's able to bring home some compost. So they compost it all there with, like, all, like, the hay and the cow manure, and they handle all of it, and then you can just go pick it up? Yeah. And a, the the public can't really do that, but... Oh, gotcha. Oh, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> Because there's not really that many good places here to get compost. Like, I run into that problem. Like, I could go out to the landfill, but I question what's in there. (laughs) And I don't know if I want to risk 
putting that stuff. Well, and on my I've plants. been a little nervous because even with the compost out of the dairy, I've kind of questioned them. Like I've heard a lot, you know, like if you're using manures and stuff, you got to be worried of the the salt levels. Or I mean, there's there's some stuff that can get out of whack, and you you don't really want to put that on, but it, it's really really good stuff. So I'm lucky, but I That's do try awesome. to make my own compost. It's just not nearly enough. Right. Yeah, I run into that problem too. I run out all the time. I need a lot more. Oh, this one's a beast. Have you? Like, we need to start publishing pictures of her backyard. Me and you could go into soil health probably because I've been listening to the No-Till Market Gardener podcast. That's exactly what I've been listening to. It's amazing. Is it? I love it. I'm obsessed. I'm like, every day I probably get feel like two or three episodes. Yep. I agree. I'm obsessed. Podcasts are amazing. Like, I can't believe how much time I used to waste, like, weeding my garden and stuff. Like, not listening to a podcast? Are you kidding me? <laughs> what a waste of time. You know what? So, I, I'm like that too. Like, I will binge podcasts. I love podcasts. I love Audible, but I will hit a point where my brain's like, dude, stop. I can't like, so then I have to, I have to listen to like jazz music. I can't listen to anything with words in it. I can't listen. I can't like, I guess that's just me, but my brain will shut down and it'll be like, no more. Stop. We cannot take in another business podcast. Don't do it. (laughs) But, um, so this isn't on here, but, uh, so when you, you know, you have all these complicated flowers, does, do you feel like working with these very complex flowers has made you be able to handle people better? I never thought about it that way. Cause you're all like very forgiving about these flowers. You're like, Oh, it's super temperamental. It takes a long time. Do you ever just run into somebody and you're like, you're a chrysanthemum. <laughs> <laughs> or like, do you ever just like... I haven't, but I'm going to now. Okay. Right. <laughs> you're a very pleasant person. I doubt there's very many people that you run into that you're like, no. But Well, and I think generally I am pretty patient. Flowers, I think, do take patience. So. Oh, right. for sure. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah, you do. <laughs> Where's your favorite place to source your seeds from? I love Johnny's. Johnny's Select Seeds. Um, I get a lot of my cut flowers from them. Uh, Florette, she was the one that they, I read the article about. She has her own seed breeding program, so she's got some really cool flowers. And those are the two I mainly go through. Do you think eventually you'd like to breed like your own flower varieties, or do you save your own seeds at all? I Some seeds I save. With flowers, you've got to be careful. Like Not careful, but the if you're wanting a certain color, like the cross-pollination, that will change the colors of the, your, the next generation, you know? So it's a little harder. Like my zinnias, like they're all, I mean, I've got them all planted in the same row. They're all different colors. I've got reds and whites and, you know, blushes and... Um, so I'm afraid if I tried to collect those seeds, I wouldn't know what I'm getting next year, which right. makes it hard to plan what other flowers I want to plant. If I don't know what colors I'm getting, yeah, which, that would be, yeah. and I want to make bouquets with yeah, them. Yeah, and it's a risk. Like, yeah, I need, I need to limiting. know that I'm going to get what I want. Yeah, it's like painting, I guess. I don't paint, but it would be like painting, like going in and like having all of your paints and being like opening them and being like, no, today you only get white and yellow, like, but it's for a whole season. Yeah. 
there are some flowers that I can save seeds on though, and I do, and and that's helpful, but not all of them. So, so do you have like a lot of pest pressure? Do you have to like bag your flowers and stuff to keep bugs off of them? So my really expensive flowers, like dahlias, um, I do bag those. So I put little organza bags over them. Oh. Otherwise, well, and the other thing with dahlias, is a lot of flowers you're cutting as soon as they start to open, like because you have to get to them before the pollinators do. Once a flower is pollinated, like it'll usually just fall apart. You know, it's not going to have a lot of vase life because interesting. That's the life of a flower. Once it gets pollinated, its job is done. It doesn't need its petals anymore that are nice and colorful. And then it'll just start making seed. So I've got to get to them before the pollinators do. Most flowers. But flowers like dahlias, you once you cut them, they're not going to open anymore. So I have to wait until they're at their prime to cut them. So and that's in some varieties it takes two weeks for it to from when it's a bud to fully open so that's a long time and the bugs are gonna find it so I usually put these organza bags over it and it keeps the earwigs off and things like that that really like to eat them because it's sad to watch your dahlias get eaten because I love them so much and they're so pretty yours are gorgeous you had some dark like purpley red one last year and it Still haunts my dreams. She'll be back. Okay, good. <laughs> I didn't know that flowers were a lot like marriage. You know, you have your petals to attract your pollinator. And as soon as you get done, pollinated. Everything starts going downhill and you start popping out seeds. <laughs> this took a turn. You yeah, should write like, a that's book. That's yeah. <laughs> insight to my mental health right now. <laughs> awesome okay well I guess you kind of answered the how much work goes into growing them harvesting and arranging them well how okay so with that like how much time do you think you spend per week in there like harvesting them (laughs) arranging them all that and I think that I wish people understood that that I spend a lot of time, a lot of time in the, I mean, when you consider not only starting the seeds, but then weeding, watering, you know, checking on them and then bagging them. Yeah. Bagging them. Sometimes some flowers require you to be out in the field harvesting three times a day because they open that fast. And like I said, you have to get to them before the pollinators do or else it's just, you've got to throw it in the garbage. Um, so it's a lot. Uh, how many hours a day? I probably two hours in the morning, two hours at night. If I have flowers blooming that need a cut in the day, then another hour. So four to five hours a day, usually. But seven days a week, because you don't, you can't really skip a day, right? So Saturday and Sunday, I usually don't do a lot. And but then that being said, you know, when I go harvest Monday morning, there's a lot that I have to throw out because it's not going to have a good vase life. And like Saturday, you're at the market. Yes. And you get right. Home and yeah, you're exhausted. And then yeah. Sunday, you're like, I need to recuperate just a little. Yes. There are some times that I go out there and I just like, oh, that zinnia is finally blooming. So I'll go out and cut it on Sunday. But And then I usually spend about an hour or two arranging flowers. So I finally, I just had to set some boundaries because it's gotten to our enterprise. Like I'm making flowers every day for people, like, which is hard. <laughs> so I have a little farm stand, flower stand in front of my house. It's cute. It I've is seen it on the Facebook. I haven't ever been up there yet. It's just like a really old trailer, like a flat bit. And what is it called? Like a truck bed trailer. Oh, cute. And I put a little 
roof over it. And so every Tuesday and Thursday now, I fill that with bouquets that Enterprise locals can just, or anybody who wants to come, can come and pick up. And that kind of cuts down on the, hey, can you make me a bouquet today? Hey, can you make me a bouquet today? So, but I still do get some. So that's only on Tuesday and Thursdays do I stock that. And then... I will do bigger arrangements if anyone needs one. They can call me and custom order order one. So, All right. Well, and you said you have three kids too, right? So you have to handle your kids on top of doing all the yeah. the flower stuff. I really, really try to wake up early. Flowers are best if you cut them early in the morning when it's cool or late at night when it's cool. So luckily for me, that means like my kids are sleeping when I do most of my work, but usually they're awake by the time I'm designing with them. So, but so, you know, your daughter, you said you did this. So your daughter would understand that she can create her own opportunities, right? Yes. yes. So have you seen that kind of kick in with her or has she like started leaning more towards flowers like you, or is she like, Oh, I want to open a jewelry business or something. So she's nine right now and she's very creative. So I can, I can see her that one day she'll be really interested in it and it's just going to hit or miss. Most of the time it's just work, you know, it's not fun. So, but I hope that by the time she's old, 15, 16, that, you know, that maybe I have my own little workshop, you know, where we can just sit and make flowers all day and that she'll really enjoy that and love that. But my boys really love working with the flowers too, which I was kind of surprised about, but they love it. Yeah. My husband loves flowers too. So he probably... (laughs) He lived in that neighborhood. He'd probably be at your house every day. Probably like, can you help? I'll help you. <laughs> Bring him over. Yeah, for sure. How long is your actual like growing period? Because you said you get what your last frost typically it's in supposed May, to be May, and then what till September? Middle of October. Middle of October. Generally, okay. Last year, we had a freeze the middle of June and then the beginning of October. So it was really short. So I'll take whatever I can get, I guess. (laughs) Do you feel like there are any other challenges to growing where you're living that maybe other people in other places like wouldn't experience? Enterprise gets a lot of wind, a lot of wind, especially in the spring. And it's so hard because that's when you are putting out your little seed babies and, you know, that, that wind comes whipping through and it's so hard on them. So I usually construct like little caterpillar tunnels over a lot of especially my tinder beds um just to protect them for that reason from the wind because it I mean that's not good for little babies to be out in that wind (laughs) and it dries them out so quickly so it's it's a lot of work and like I read and I follow a lot of other flower farmers like on Instagram and you know you hear of all the rain they get and they don't have to even irrigate you know like it just kind of blows my mind like I can't even remember the last time it rained so I we are I I use drip irrigation that's the only way you could really do it with flowers I think because you don't want to get water on the petals like you're going to leave spots on them so drip irrigation is kind of the only way to go and I have that thing going every single day that they need water. I remember listening to a podcast and he was talking to somebody somewhere in like eastern part of the U.S. I'm like oh yeah we got 70 inches of rainfall last year and that was like a drought year. I'm like you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. We get 10. I think that's been the hardest thing is 
you know, I, you can take all these workshops and you can read all these books, but it's nothing like what you're going to experience. It's, it's so hard. Like you just have to try it and you have to do what works and you have to, you have to find out for yourself. Like you just, it's, it's never going to be the same experience someone else has. Right. For sure. What's something that you wish people um, who are buying locally grown flowers understood? It's something that's really been lost in the floral community. I mean, the whole idea of seasonality. Right. I mean, and same thing with food. Ugh. But you can't have a peony in the fall. Like, that's just not possible. And tulips only grow in the spring. Like, we lose a lot of that because we can just ship it in from South America. And yeah, it's been interesting because a lot of people are like, oh, well, I want sunflowers in May. And I'm like, well, I can't start my sunflowers until May. Like, that's just not possible. And they just kind of are a little dumbfounded by that fact. Like roses for Valentine's Day. That can't happen at all. It's not possible. I think there is a lot of education that needs to be done. And it'll just take time. And I mean, for 50 years now, the whole floral... Um, market has been overseas. I mean, oh, yeah. and it's just changed. It's changed the a lot of the flowers that florists use. You know, they have been bred to be able to be shipped, and um, and they lose when they're bred to be shipped to be able to last out of water. You know, sometimes they can lose like either their scent or maybe their vibrant color or and or and now florists just don't even use a lot of the flowers that that can't be shipped I mean they just aren't even on their usable list anymore and there's so many flowers that make great cut flowers that can't be shipped so therefore your only option is to grow it locally and buy it locally so I really that is something I really want to do is supply the florists with beautiful dahlias or sweet peas I mean these things that they can't get from a wholesaler because they would never last I'm mean, being shipped or right, right. drastically decreases their base life which is already short and maybe that is why you know people come to you anyway uh, because of the aesthetic right they've seen your stuff but that's what makes your aesthetic so unique is you're using just crazy flowers that nobody has seen I I just I love the stuff that you do because it's so unique like you just can't go into any store and get what you grow and what you make like the the what is it an arbor the arbor you had today was stunning I was just blown away so like I love that you actually do really carry that through in your values and in your bouquet like you can see that in your work is that you're like I'm committed to using weird flowers that you can't get anywhere else that make stunning bouquets so I like it Thanks, Kat. Is there anything you could grow in a greenhouse you could have for, like, Valentine's Day? Yes. Um, I don't know that I'm ready to do that. like, do you want to? (laughs) I've never really tried the spring crops other than, like, tulips, you know. I mean, there are some stunning tulips out there nowadays, and I did try it this last spring. I bought ranunculus and anemones and tulips, and you could force them 
as early as Valentine's Day wow. in a greenhouse. Like it would just, it's going to take a lot of work in enterprise, especially if right. we don't get a lot of snow. I mean, I would have to be out there watering and, you know, it's still freezing temperatures. So what does that entail? I mean, I don't yeah. know. I can't turn on my faucets outside or I have to <laughs> risk freezing. So then I'm watering by hand with, you know, I mean, so I haven't quite worked that out in my brain, but, and most of my spring crops were a big flop. So it was really heartbreaking because it was, it was kind of a big investment too, but a lot of it was just timing. Like I don't, I mean, it was my first time growing them and I've kind of learned to expect that, that your first time growing a flower, it's probably going to be a loss and just a, a learning opportunity, you know? So I just got them in way too late. Like my tulips were fine, but it was so hot, cold, hot. I mean, not hot, but it was cold it was weird, and then it would warm up yeah, yeah. and tulips in order to get those nice long stems, they need so many days of cold in a row, you know? So my tulips were pretty hit or miss and my ranunculus and my anemones, I just got in way too late and they came up, but they were so stressed because it was warmer than they wanted it to be. And it was just, I was battling the bugs. And that's what I find is if my timing's off, that's usually when I have a pest problem. And I hate battling with pests. I mean, if I can have a healthy crop, I generally don't ever see a pest on it. So timing is everything. And that's usually the biggest learning curve. Right. That's so interesting. I mean, it sucks that it was a wash, but that's really cool. But I was able to save all my corms, my ranunculus and anemone corms, so... You're going to try again? Well, and this year, because in all the books you read, you can't overwinter um, those crops in my zone. Yeah. But I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm just going to try it. See what so, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to make a little caterpillar tunnel over them with some frost cloth and try to keep them a little warmer and probably cover them with straw and I'll probably have to water them a little but it'll be worth it to have really healthy I mean they want it to be cold when they get established so we're gonna give it a try that's awesome that's so cool yeah there's a lot of seeds that have to have that cold to get them to germinate I realized that in the spring I was like I missed my I missed my moment I've missed many a moments too It's funny, though, how you like you just tune into this whole different level of seasonality. Like when you learn all this stuff, like how far in advance you have to prepare to mimic nature, like nature has it dialed in. And then we come in and we mess it up because we don't pay attention to what it naturally would need. Right. Or when you like when you just start realizing what nature does, you're just like, holy crap. And you start seeing stuff and you're like, this is incredible. And that's the one thing I've learned, too, is it's really hard I mean, I'm growing a lot of different varieties of flowers. It's hard to keep it all straight in my brain. If I don't keep a journal, which I am awful about doing, like a garden journal of like, oh yeah, remember that you need to fall plant your larkspur. <laughs> it's not going to come up. Like, um, if I don't write these things down, like I'm like, oh, well, I won't forget next year. Well, yep, I did. <laughs> so, so journaling, I mean, who would have thought? But it's I really struggle. important. Yeah, I struggle with that too. I have a hard time finding a really good gardening journal though like I I don't know there's ones you can buy online and stuff but I don't know I just so maybe that's what we should make next 
is a gardening journal. It's a garden journal. I for Southern buyers. Mine is currently just like we'll a need your advice. that I have to like... <laughs> I know. I keep trying to help my husband, and I'm like, I'll help you, and I'll t- I'll do the journaling. And I'm like, like, three months later, he's like, did you write any of this down? I'm like, no, I have not, because <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> it's hard. And it's so, you know, when you're, you're doing so much in between kids and in between everything, and it's just hard to be like, oh, I did do that today. I need to write it down, yeah. you know? And then, like, three weeks later, you're like, what day was that? Well, that's what I find is, like, my brain is just full, so full of stuff. Like, I can't remember anything anymore. Like, I have, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea most of the time. Kids. <laughs> they they do, do that. that. What's something that has been a surprise to you since you started Freckle and Flower Farm? You know, I've really been surprised at my community. Like, I didn't think that they would appreciate flowers. Like, I grew up, my mom, I mean, flowers were such just a frivolous thing, you know? Like, and I think that that's the mindset of most people in Enterprise. Like, very conservative. You know, we save our money. Why would we need flowers, you know? But... I have been, like, so grateful for the community support. Like, they have, they love flowers. And, yeah. And that's, like, people need flowers. And and I had a, a flower farmer that I follow, and she used to live somewhere in Europe. I think it was Belgium or something. And she said, she's like, that is where I learned to love flowers. She's like, those people live with flowers. It is a part of their life. Like, your house is not complete unless you have a bouquet of flowers to bring living to your right. your home. And she says, like, the United States, we miss that. Like, we miss out on that. Like, we don't have an appreciation for the beauty. And even though it's just only lasts a week, you know, like... That's the beauty of it. Like, most things beautiful, they don't last forever. I was really surprised when you said that, you know, that you get phone calls and sell out all the time up in Enterprise because they are very conservative. They are very do-it-yourself. They're like, I'm going to go cut my own flowers out of my yard. Because they could grow their own. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And that that goes back to making sure I'm growing stuff that no one else has. There you go. And it's not that I'm, I mean, I'm willing to share seeds with anybody or whatever, but... No, you're not. (laughs) No, you have to buy them from her. But I also know that it's really hard to grow most of those flowers. Like, it takes a little extra tender loving care or else... You know, it's not gonna. It's probably not gonna work for them. So. Well, I love I love bouquets of flowers, and it's actually something that I realized after I had my son when my postpartum was really bad. I just I remember I'd go to the store and I would crave like flowers, and my husband would always be like, "Why are you buying these flowers?" He's like, "Just tell me what you want, and I'll grow them." And I was like, "No, I just want to pick something pretty up that brings me joy and makes me feel loved." And put it on the table. <laughs> I was like, that's all I want. And so when you started coming, I was like, yes. Like, I put one in every, like, that week that I bought. <laughs> put one in every room. I had one up in my room on my thing. I had the kitchen. I put one down in my niece's room. And I put one in the bathroom. And he was like, I think we're done with the flowers. And I was like, you are. <laughs> I was like, but there are definitely more countertops in this house that I could fill. But, yeah, I, I feel you. I think that it's just... It's just so, it's just needed. Yes. And I think like, I think of last week, I'm pretty sure it was last week, someone came to the market and it was a couple and 
the woman says, oh my gosh, those are so beautiful. And he just said, oh, well, you know, which one do you like? I'll buy you some. And it's funny how many couples come up and like the women are just kind of like, oh, look how pretty. And the guy's like, okay, let's go this way, you know. And so I have an appreciation for those women who are like, I want that one. (laughs) I will make myself happy. But anyway, back to this couple. And I handed her her flowers and she honestly was like jumping up and down and like almost crying and hugging her husband. She's like, I just love them so much. And I'm like, yes, this, this is what it is. Like, this is what flowers can be. Like, they can really bring a lot of happiness, which I think our world kind of needs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And for like, and I think it also speaks to just like our weird animal brain buried deep somewhere in there. You know, like we're all like, oh, I want to design her bag, but oh my God, flowers! (laughs) I need them! Like, I don't know. I just love flowers so much. I do too. Yeah, (laughs) they're cute. Oh, I think I should have asked this when you're talking about your, like your bed prep, but do certain varieties need anything extra? Like after you put them in the ground, do you have to add anything while they're growing? I've tried to fertilize a lot better this year. So I'm using stuff that's actually going to like benefit my soil, not just the, the flowers themselves. Cause like your miracle grow and stuff I've, I've read is kind of more like junk food for your flowers. So I want to feed them something that's going to be a little more bone brothy. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to hang around my soil. It's going to help feed those microbes. Like it's going to be more than just some junk food. So, um, I do spray them with fish emulsion, um, on a weekly basis. And all that's all your flowers get that. All of them. All of them. Okay. But you have to be careful because if you could feed them, I'm sure vegetables is the same way. If you feed them too much nitrogen, you know, they can come out with two heads and looking really, really weird. So that's been a learning curve just to make sure like, okay, right down to my journal. I've got to stop fertilizing once they get to this point. Like things like dahlias, they need a lot of potassium, I believe it is. I should know that, but (laughs) I mean, so there are, there are things that, and it's been a huge learning curve and it's something I'm still trying to figure out. It's a lot of information to take in. So it's going to be years of learning, I'm sure, before I have this mastered. (laughs) Well, because it's not just one thing. I mean, you could be so good at growing sunflowers and just really crappy at dahlias, you know, like you've got to learn. It's just not, people just don't understand that it's not just a plant. You can't just grow all of these plants doing the same thing. Like you have to know, you have to know that plant. Yeah. And so my hat's off to you. Well, I'm still learning. (laughs) That's more than what the rest of us can say. (laughs) So if you could start all over, what's one thing you wish you would have known? Um, I think if I could start over, it would just be like, don't be afraid to just jump in. Like we kind of talked about that a little bit that my, you learn by your mistakes. Like you win some, you learn some. That's kind of my motto. (laughs) You win some, you learn a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So you don't really lose. Like yeah. whenever you make a mistake, like it's a learning opportunity and I probably won't make that mistake again. So what's something that you failed at and that you learned from it? We kind of already talked about it, but I would say timing, like it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to know. And every year is going to be different. You can't just be stuck to a date of like, Oh, my plant date is May 15th. Cause that's my last frost date. Like sometimes it's ab- abnormally warmer and 
I mean, you got to know, you got to know what your flowers need. So what would you say has been your biggest success and what have you learned from that? So my biggest success, something that I've been really proud of just recently was last night. I did my first wedding, not my first wedding, but the first wedding using all 100% what I grew. Wow. I mean, and that's something that I like ever since I took that class back in the spring, like I'm like, I'm going to do this. And then COVID hit and all my weddings canceled. And I was like, Oh man. <laughs> but so yeah, it was a, it was a friend, it was her wedding and she let me just do whatever I wanted kind of. So it was really fun and really rewarding. And to be able to say like, no, I don't need to order in all that eucalyptus and stuff that people think you need that I can't really grow. And I didn't order roses, but I had some beautiful lisianthus. And I mean, I don't think we missed either of those. I think like we, I went and harvested some Russian olive, which is, is kind of like a weed. I mean, that sounds awful, but I put weed in a wedding, but it's beautiful. Russian olive really is beautiful. If people brought it, it's invasive. Yes. So somebody thought it looked good. I, I love it. I think yeah. it's beautiful. And it smells good. Yes. So, so uh, that was my greenery. That was my eucalyptus substitute. And she wanted roses, but I had beautiful lisianthus. So I don't think we missed it either of those and it was beautiful. So that's kind of interesting. So when you have someone who wants you to do their flowers for their wedding and they have all these ideas from Pinterest of what they want, like, do you ever have to tell them that like, maybe you need to go like to someone else or when you talk to them, are you usually able to like show them what you have and like, Oh, I want that instead. Cause that's different. Well, I haven't done, I don't have a lot of experience doing weddings, but the the few I've done, like it's people in enterprise, everyone knows everyone. So I know them, you know, I, some of the weddings have been in the winter, which I'm, I have nothing growing. I doubt they'll let me do an evergreen <laughs> wedding. So. Oh, that's going to be kind of cool. Yeah, I was like, I love it. I think it would be like beautiful. Evergreen and pine cones. And- she makes a kissing ball, and I love it. It's like my favorite. It's my new favorite tradition. I bought it both years that she's done it. And it's a kissing ball, and it's, and it's cute. It replaces your mistletoe, because mistletoe is... It's invasive and yucky and... Did you tell me it was illegal to grow here? I don't don't know, but I don't think that anyone would plant mistletoe because it is that invasive, so... So Wait, what's what's on the kissing ball? So it's like, you just use like... What's it, juniper? It's just like an evergreen ball. Yeah, and it's huge. It's like... I usually add like dried flowers to it. and and it's so cool. And so I hung it in my hallway all in our hallways during Christmas and it's just this big ball of evergreen and oh, it's so cool. cool and I love it I just and I should add that it's not something I invented like kissing balls go back I mean I think the, traditionally kissing balls were made with mistletoe or um, herbs dried herbs and stuff like that and you know over the years it's just kind of evolved to well either way they're what really, I do <laughs> yeah they're really cool and I haven't seen anybody else do them but you but I like that you're making like this Christmas tradition local like you know like you don't have to get a mistletoe ball you don't have to get the fake one get this cute kissing ball it's I love it well and I I love that's when I very first started the first market I went to was your Christmas market your holiday market and I brought evergreen wreaths and I love making I love making wreaths so I've gotten into doing dried wreaths but 
I love making evergreen wreaths and a lot of people kind of turn up their nose to it and it's like, well, it's not going to last forever. But to me, it goes back to that anything beautiful, really, like it's not meant to last forever. Like, I mean, even the fake stuff that's meant to last forever, it eventually starts looking tired and really fake and like, it's nice to have something that is only meant to be beautiful for a period of time. And I love that I don't have to store wreaths. I hate storing wreaths. So when I'm done with it for that season, I take it apart and it goes in the garbage. I keep my wreath form and, and I'm done with it. That's why I actually don't have any door decorations or anything. Like I don't ever buy anything on there except for like real wreaths because I don't want to have to store it. And I I don't want to have to commit like, I don't know if I'm going to like this one next year, but it suits my holiday needs it's right so true. now. I think that's how it should be. That's, yeah. how, that's how we should think. Is, yeah. I love this now. It doesn't have to be a lifelong commitment. Yeah. And it's pretty and it works. And, you know, this year we're going with brown ribbon or whatever, you know, but next year if I can get the, I don't know. I just don't like fake wreaths. You heard it here first. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's not the same. It isn't. It's gross. <laughs> so in your opinion, what makes Utah special? I would say the people. And um, I don't think there's another place like Utah. I love the outdoors. We love spending time outdoors. And it's an incredible place to live. I mean, but I love the people. I haven't lived a lot of years outside of Utah, but... It's home, and it's it's what it's who I love and what I love. So, so what's been your favorite part about being in the farmers market community? I love that sense of community. I I love seeing people. I love seeing returning customers and talking with them and getting friendships. Like that's what the farmers market to me is. It's just community and. And I've been really sad, like what COVID has done to, to just our world. And I'm hoping that it passes quickly, but just that we're, I feel like I've missed that sense of community. I miss seeing people's smiling faces. I miss, I mean, a lot of people walk around with a mask on and their sunglasses on. I'm like, I can't even see them. Like, are they smiling at me? Can they see me smiling at them? Hi. Like, are you even talking to me? Yeah. (laughs) I mean... Uh, and it's so easy to lose that community and just like just worry about yourself stay home we need to stay home and just worry about yourself like that's really hard for me and i i'm very sad about that like that i've i've i miss that sense of community and i'm hoping it returns quickly <laughs> i you know what i think it is like several like this, i shouldn't say this on there but you know like this summer has been so hard like, especially just at the farmer's market, like everybody has just been like, wow, this is, this is a hard year. <laughs> like one of our patrons told me, she goes, some years you just have to survive. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go into survival mode. But today, I mean, we're recording this right after one of the farmer's markets. You know, I've had so many people tell us like, oh, it feels like we're just surviving. And then today, Tons of people came up to me and they're like, oh my gosh, it feels like the old days. That's what they said. And I was like, that was last year, friend. <laughs> like, but they were like, it feels like the old days. Like, I don't even know. So I think it slowly is yes. returning. I think people are finding their balance between safety and it's so much easier in an outdoor market. And 
So I feel like today was a real turning point. Yeah. I'm hoping. I'm, yes. I don't want to jinx it. I mean, I'll knock on wood. But it was it was remarkable today how many people went out of their way to stop me and say like, okay, this yeah. feels every week has gotten a little, a little bit better, a little better, and a little bit yeah. <laughs> like actually, it's been pretty much a straight line. <laughs> This week I was like, okay, okay, we're we're gonna make it through. We're gonna make yeah. it through. But I do feel like it started to pick up, and I told you this, and I posted it on Facebook too. I do feel like it started to feel better when you brought your flowers. Aww. I was like, this is the first week that I think we're gonna make it through. <laughs> <laughs> the flowers bringing you to yeah. it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh, we're gonna make it. There's flowers. Which means apples are going to come. Like, you can't stop the world for too long, you know. Yeah. We're still around people in general, I meant. Like, the whole human race. (laughs) So, we're still still here. We're still evolving. We're still going to make it work. All right. So, uh, do you have a favorite book, publication? I know that you brought up Florette um, on social media that you find inspirational and profound. I did read a book this past spring that really opened my eyes, and it's called The Flower Confidential. I can't remember. Amy Stewart, I believe, is the author. And it really, it's all about the floral industry and just kind of opened your eyes a lot to um, kind of the the conditions that your flowers go through, you know? I mean, I had no idea, like, say your roses from South America, you know, they get cut, they get sent on an airplane, but before they can get sent on the airplane, they have to get, like, fumigated, you know? And then once they arrive in America, they get sprayed again. I mean, and not only that, like, chemicals aside... You just think of all that time they've spent out of water. Like, I don't think that's what flowers are supposed to do. (laughs) I mean, it it doesn't need to me. I'm like, it doesn't need to be that complicated. Like, we can grow flowers here in America, and we can we can supply the markets with fresh flowers. I mean, I don't think we need to be shipping flowers. And and that's a lot about what that book is about is I mean and it goes through all the good and the bad things and it talks a lot about the flower breeding process and you know kind of the the hard things about that and and royalties and it is but it is a it's a good read and it opens your eyes to the flower movement that's happening in America I like that the flower movement that's cute but I'm glad to see that whole movement like it's around everything. Like, yes. let's just bring everything back home. Right. You know, like, especially, and I, I, we've talked about this several times, not on the podcast and on the podcast before it became serious, is that, uh, you know, with COVID, all of a sudden all these shipping things and the world shutting down, and I think it really did make everybody go, oh, this isn't some hippy-dippy crap. Like, this is a serious problem we have when we're importing 90% of what we use. Right. So, I think that's really... I love seeing everything shift to local. But I like that you're, like, the first one on Enterprise. Good you're going to dominate that whole side. <laughs> the whole Enterprise market yeah, wrapped no, up. No, that whole uh, <laughs> western side of... Pine Valley. So why should people buy local food and support local farmers and makers? 
I say, why not? Like it, it is the only thing that makes sense, really. I mean, it's what makes sense. We, it's, it shouldn't be this complicated thing. Like yeah. the, the farmers market's great. I mean, there's plenty of vendors. There's lots of people doing great stuff, and you can buy all your stuff local. Why not? Why not do it? I agree, one hundred percent. So if listeners want to learn more about um, all the stuff you're doing and catch up on the flower truck and everything, how can they find you? So I, uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Freckle and Flower Farm, or I have a website, which is freckleandflowerfarm.com. I'm also on Facebook, but I am most active on Instagram, and even then, I, you know, I try. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it is actually very pretty. It keeps showing up in my feed, and I'm always like, oh, I love Katie's feed. <laughs> it pops up in my thing. I'm like, this is great. Thank you so much for yeah. talking with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you found this podcast, especially on iTunes. If you have a specific question that you would like to ask us or our farmers, makers, or educators, send us an email at podcast at mofacoutah.com and let us know. Another way to support this podcast is by becoming a supporting member starting at only $2 a month. We have different levels of membership that grant access to special members-only swag like shirts, hats, bags, magnets, and stickers that show your support for your local community. To learn more, please visit mofacoutah.com slash podcast slash support. Make sure you are following us on Facebook and Instagram at Mofaco Utah. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back in your feed in two weeks. But until then, we hope, hope to, to see you at the farmer's market. The music for this episode was created by Southern Utah local Jake Shepard. <laughs>